Hello and welcome to episode two of season two of the Maple Lion podcast. Uh, this week we are joined by the tortoise, the hare and the millionaire. Uh, as ever, I am joined by my co-host Brad. How are you doing Brad today? Oh, doing great. You? I'm good. It's been a, you know, a typical Sunday working and podcasting. That is how Sundays are in my life. Um, so, we are joined by New Brunswick Blues Band. Um, it's great to have you guys on. Thank you for coming on. Um, and, and we'll get started. So, tell us a little bit about yourself one at a time and, um, and your roles in the band, essentially. Um, my name's Matt. I uh, play guitar and I am the lead singer, uh, principal songwriter as well. I guess kind of band dickhead. <laughs> Everybody's gonna hate somebody, right? Well, I'm uh, I'm Eric. Play bass and generally the the, the band mom, as I uh, describe myself. I make sure people show up where they're supposed to be on time. Um, make sure that people's phones work. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's even Ted can't be helped in that respect. <laughs> Hi, I'm Adam. I am a trumpet player in the band, and I am, uh, I guess you'd call me the dad of the horn section. Uh, I've been writing all the horn arrangements for the last little while, and, uh, yep. And who's missing? Who's not here today? Well, Ted, trying to get his phone working, plays drums. Um, also band muscle for sure. Like if anybody's messing with us, we just say, Hey, look at this guy. Plus he is a lot stronger than the rest of us too. So the rest <laughs> of us are kind of like couch potatoes and video gamers and Ted actually lifts heavy things for a living. So he's a fine specimen. Okay. And isn't there a fifth member as well? Did you say? There is our, uh, our sax player. We hadn't seen her in the better part of a year. Uh, <laughs> She's been a little busy. Yes. Uh, our, our sax player is Dr. Jennifer Russell, who's the chief. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so. that explains a lot. That explains a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, her hands are kind of full right now. Well, maybe, maybe, she, can, maybe right. she can drop a hint to the podcast in her next address to the, uh, to the province. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be in the job description that one. Oh, you, you know. So, uh, how'd you guys get together as a band? Um, well, Ted and I have been playing together for I don't want to say how long. It's going to make me feel old. Uh, probably like sixteen or seventeen years, maybe longer. I don't know. I lost track of time a long time ago. I've known Ted since like junior high, pretty much. So, um, we've just been, you know not super good friends until actually the band formed, but you know, they kind of started that way. And then we had many iterations of different people we played with. And then a Kijiji ad went out and we were desperate for a bass player. And we found Eric and it was like perfect fit. Great bass player, great dude. Now he's like one of our best friends too. And then from there, it's just evolved like crazy. Like we've had horn players play with us, a few other guitar players, and now we've added permanent horn players to the band. And because the music has just changed that much, I guess, over time from being like a three piece rock band to 
like a rock and blues funk kind of kind of deal now so was that a natural evolution for you guys or was it like because of harvest you decided that you could maybe get more gigs or something well part of it just came from uh, recording our ep well we always tended to have a lot of guest performers on long gigs and but when we were recording our ep uh, we wanted to expand on the songs a little bit and so we had the idea of adding horns and it, we liked the results so much just like we don't want to play these songs without the horns anymore and so we asked Jay adam to join us permanently and we actually met adam through the recording sessions and he just blew us away <laughs> he was like yeah hey you want to join the band and it's been it's been perfect ever since yeah i got a message a couple summers ago from Kelly Waterhouse, who was the producer on the EP, and uh, she's like, hey, are you busy in a couple of weeks? I got a fun project for you. And I was like, uh, maybe, sure, what, what, what's going on? And one thing led to another, and in a couple of weeks, I was in her living room laying down horn tracks for this EP, and I hadn't heard anything other than a few rough cuts of, uh, of the songs. I'd, I'd seen the band a couple of times at different shows around the city, and uh, later that fall, they said, hey, we're going to debut our EP at a couple of shows. Why don't you come and play with us? And then we all fell in love. And <laughs> before I knew it, I was a permanent member. Pretty much. Plus, if he's a permanent member, we don't need to pay him. If he's a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I see. There was a plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, uh, um, I don't know if you guys have ever explained it anywhere. Um, where did the name come from? Um, are you guys Entourage fans? No. <laughs> HBO show. Uh, so this is, this is a show on HBO. Oh, it used to be on HBO many years ago. Uh, it was called Entourage. And uh, Gary Busey plays himself on the show and one of the characters is named Turtle and he's a friend of a millionaire movie star, right? So when they show up to Gary Busey's house, he says, the tortoise, the hare and the millionaire. And I always thought that's the perfect band name right there. It's like those episodes of Parks and Rec when Andy always hears like a name that'd be good for a band name. I used to was like band name. And <laughs> that, that's where it came from. If you go way back on our Facebook and maybe even on our Instagram, there's a clip of the video of them coming up to Gary Busey's house and it's him saying the line. But yeah, that's where the band name came from, an episode of Entourage that was at, in a line ad-libbed by Gary Busey. Plus, he's also on Cameo now. We were thinking about maybe paying him to, like, say something about the next record when it comes out. <laughs> that's Because there's cool. a connection to Gary Busey, so. So, what was it? Was that a uh, democratic process? Were you like, nope, that, I've heard it. That's it. That's the band name. Um, the guys we just really it. dug it, I think. So, it just was <laughs> like that, and it stuck. That's cool. I like it. I will say that... I don't know how many people have come up to me and said, so which one's the millionaire? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You probably, you guys probably got that a lot more when you were just a trio. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause we all have long hair. So everybody just assumes that we're all the hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, influences on your music as well. Um, you obviously, you're obviously a blues band. So you probably take some influences from the likes of Clapton and stuff like that. Um, it's I think it's different for all of us a little bit for me in writing and my playing like a lot of Allman Brothers 
I'm a big Dickie Betts fan, big Greg Allman fan, Dwayne Allman fan. So that's that's my big that's my wheelhouse. But there's like new acts too that I, I dig and want to get into. But like I know Eric's bringing something different with the bass when he comes. Like his background comes from different styles of music. So everybody's got a little bit of flavor, I guess. Yep, that, I, that's I, mine. Allman Brothers, big big time for me. I listen to a lot of Motown and surf music, oddly enough, and and punk and. I don't know how it informs my choices, but I assume it must. Uh, that is that that is one thing I picked up from listening to the EP was the um, the punchy bass. Very much is a, is sometimes sounds like a punk a punk bass coming through, um, and I love punk music. I'm a big punk fan, um, and I picked up on that. So uh, yeah. I find I find like our differences in music uh, help make it something a little bit different, so it doesn't just sound like a straight blues song, right? Where the bass player is just kind of fumbling his way through the normal stuff, and like Eric, Eric always brings a little bit of flavor to it, which is nice. So, oh, and the uh, the addition of horns and stuffs kind of gives it that kind of a punky scar kind of sound as well in parts. So, I dig that. It's, it is I. You can definitely tell it's blues because of the main guitar. There's a def that main guitar rift is definitely very bluesy, but you can feel, you can feel some of the other elements coming through. Um, so it's interesting you said about like the punk stuff and the stuff like that is interesting to hear. Um, so you've released that one EP to date, which was in 2018, um, and when the blues come to town seems to be the most popular song off of that, um, according to Spotify. That is, I don't know what your general reaction was to the EP and the songs, but Spotify says that that was the most popular song. Although I, my favorite song is um, Sex Appeal. <laughs> I, I really like that song. Um, yeah, I, actually that that's, that there's only two three piece songs on that EP. That's one of them. And I actually played that one on a lap steel. It's not even with a regular guitar. That's all slide on that song. It's just fast boogie craziness. It is. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's, uh, I played so we have this, uh, me and Brad both work at the Brick in uh, at Regent Mall. Um, and most mornings when I turn up to work, I connect my phone to the, uh, to the massive sound bars that we have in the TV gallery. And I had uh, your guys' EP rocking out the whole of the mall the other day because the sound bar is that powerful. Um, nice. And sex, the, the sex appeal hitting the, like, the echo you get on the, uh, in the building was amazing. Um, just filling it full of that guitar rift. Um, so talk us through the, uh, the, the making of the EP. Why did you decide to go with an EP and not like a number of singles, not an album? You decided to go with an EP. What, what made you go with that decision? No money. Very small budget, tight schedule. I probably only had maybe four or five songs that I was really happy with. I think we, I think we recorded six or seven when we did it, but like, like there was like four or five that we were like, yeah, these are these are the ones, and they just ended up being that many. So it was an EP, but mainly, yeah, what Eric said is the money is a big thing. Like a lot of things got to come together to make this stuff happen. So, um, it, like again, like you heard, kind of Adam's story is probably a little different for him. He just kind of showed up and started playing with us. But All right. got three tents. Yeah, I know. Uh, for anyone that's listening, uh, some of the other band members are trying to join at this point in time. They've had technical difficulties. So if you hear voices you haven't heard before, it is the new band members coming into the conversation. Um, anyway, so 
you have the EP and the songs on the EP, but do you have more original music that's not on that EP then? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. A couple um, that were recorded for that. One of them's probably going to make it to the next next thing coming. So, but okay. yeah. So, <laughs> I, I forgot my trailer thought now. I was going to ask a really good question and it's completely gone. <laughs> um, during COVID, have you guys been doing more recording? finding that, finding time during the COVID time, so to speak, to get into the studio a bit more? Well, that was the plan, but uh, it's not really col collaborating. We're planning to record in December, and that's when the province went into lockdown the first time. Then we rescheduled the recording to uh, second week of January, and we all know how that turned out. And <laughs> Yes, we do. And now we rescheduled for the middle of February, but we haven't been together in a room since, well, almost a month. So Yeah, it'll be a month like this Thursday coming. New Year's was the last yeah. time we were all together and played music. Uh, and you say you're going to be working on recording for an album when you're back in the studio. Yes. That's yeah. cool. Um, and how, how many tracks do you think you have for that then, roughly? Do you... Aiming for eight. Aiming for eight, okay. Yeah, I think I think there's, I think we got six, six and a half ready, right, ready-ish right now. So, and I'm I'm working on some other stuff right now. Our uh, our producer has got me put me to work on some homework while I'm in quarantine. So, I'm gonna try to find something a little different to throw in there, to sprinkle a little new flavor maybe on the record and see what happens. Do right. other members bring music to the to the recordings to the sessions? Um. No, not really. A Adam would be the only one, I guess, when writing his horn lines. Um, and I don't even know what his process is on that. I guess we can hear from him. But um, we played New Year's and we played one of our new songs. And I hadn't heard the finished horn lines yet with the full horn section. And the horn section hadn't even heard the song yet other than Adam. So it was like a first of everybody hearing this in front of our very small socially distanced crowd. But it was, it was pretty intense. When I heard it for the first time, I was very, very surprised. But um, Adam might have some some. It's a very, uh, it's a very secretive that. secretive process. No, it's uh, <laughs> what typically happens is uh, the trio um, puts together the framework of a new song, and then I sit in on a rehearsal and I play along and I try out a few things, and some things work and some things don't. And the things I like, I take home and I play around with the recording of the song magic happens and then that turns into a horn arrangement and sometimes it just so happens that they make their debut on stage at the uh, capitol yeah for the first <laughs> time for the band to even hear them <laughs> that's a good way to go about it make it up as you go along i like it uh. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm blowing away every time he adam does such a great job with the arrangements it's like sometimes it's a lot in your face sometimes it's just like subtle notes that's it's just perfect very, very tasteful arranging from the horns. Yeah. That show on New Year's Eve, we had our friends, uh, Jenin and Kelly, playing trombone and sax. And yeah, they hadn't heard it. They were just sight reading on the spot. And yeah, it's uh, pretty brave to do that, but uh, they're good enough to do it. They're how, long was this, how long was your show at the Capitol New Year's? Uh, played uh, well. It was two shows. Had a went with an early show and a late show, two sets each. So 
roughly two hours each. It's like a ten-minute break in between. So, talking about playing shows, you've obviously played Harvest Jazz and Blues, and I've been to Harvest Jazz and Blues a handful of times. It's a great festival. It's great for this province. Um, so, tell us about your experience playing at Harvest and Jazz and Blues, and what do you think the festival has done for music in New Brunswick? Um, my personal experience, and probably a little bit with Ben, but I was just blown away to be able to play on a big stage like that. Like we had played Harvest small venues, bars and stuff like that, and the barracks were like Rising Star, the years leading up to this when the band started, but then being asked to open for Nathaniel Ratliff and Ariel Polson, it was like, okay, this is serious. This is kind of intense. And um, I don't know, the feeling, I think you think you'd be nervous or scared about something like that. And you don't have any of those feelings. You're just excited and it's, it's amazing and it's fun and it's awesome. I actually recorded us going on stage because we were doing like a like a second line march to go on stage, like all on mic. And I stuck my phone in my pocket after and it recorded the whole show in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got like this black screen with the whole show recorded in my pocket pretty much. I still remember that was, walking that was my experience. It, uh, it, was, it was a lot I'm of fun. I'm surprised your phone lasted that long on record. Mine was. I was I was too, very surprised. <laughs> Did you post it on on YouTube or anything? The like just the no? <laughs> no, he didn't post anything because the actual show is all recorded in the main tent on multiple cameras. Like all that camera you see yeah. on the big screen is all recorded and the audio is recorded. So we just have that. You can actually find some on our YouTube. So that's pretty cool. I, I remember like... walking out onto stage and looking down at my feet and looking out at the crowd and thinking like there have been some big big names on this stage robert plant just the night before yeah sharon jones any number of huge huge musicians and to just be walking in the same footsteps as them was was a real honor uh, yeah, I, for me it was uh it's strange when you're playing you just see the people in the first three rows so it feels like a small intimate show in a lot of ways it's just between songs they turn on the house lights and all of a sudden you see that there's, you know, five, 6,000 people there. And it just definitely uh, startles you a little bit. I can imagine. Um, yeah, I love Harvest Jazz and Blues is amazing. I love the sound in that tent. Um, I love the atmosphere in that tent. It's, uh, it's pretty incredible. And um, I, was never, I was never into blues music until I moved here. And I went to my first Harvest. And now it's uh i have so much like blues based music on my ipod and cds that i've bought it's just incredible we had the uh we had the opportunity to interview terry whalen on the last season he was the last episode of the last season he was a great great guy to talk to some incredible music um we tried to get matt anderson on um emailed his uh management team a couple of times went to hear back from him and i've managed to find some blues bands from england that i've got into as well so it's uh, it's great to discover these new things and discover that you, there's actually some more music out there and that you know that you actually do like and it expands your horizons. Mm -hmm. That's what's really good about Harvest. I find they they curate the festival really well. They bring you know everybody's favorites in, but they also bring some stuff mm -hmm. in that you probably never heard before and you're gonna love. And they also really support the the local scene a lot and schools and teaching people how to play music. It's it's just like this giant music community conglomerate that just kind of drives it forward in the city. Also, a smaller venue that does the same thing here in my hat, you probably can't see because it's all audio, but uh, the Cap, downtown Fredericton, where we play our New Year's show. 
it's one of the best spots in the world and we love playing there every chance we get so so we're uh, very intimate in that bar i yeah i i haven't actually got made it down to the capital yet it's something i've been meaning to do um it, there's something special about about that place even now that everything's changed it still it still has that special feel to it uh, and I always love being back to play there. And, and every, any musician you talk to that's played there is going to tell you the exact same thing. And they're all about their bands. They're, they're just, it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah, a lot of artists want to play there who, you know, by all measures should have outgrown it. Uh, like saw TWP there like two years ago. Um, Lisa LeBlanc played a couple years ago. Sheepdogs played couple years well maybe maybe a year before they got huge but so we're coming towards the end of the podcast because you know zoom doesn't give us very long to record here and um the one question i always ask all of everyone that comes on is who would be in your perfect three-man band you watching any people dead or alive who would be your perfect three-man band Well, my perfect three-man band that is a tough one. <laughs> uh, I'd probably like to play uh, drums with John Bonham. I can't, uh, I, that's just so hard a question. That's why we like to ask it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tough one. I don't for guitar Derek Trucks, bass John Paul Jones Jr. And I don't know for drums. That's a tough one. There's so many drummers I really love. Uh, Dave uh, Dave Grohl Dave Grohl usually comes up in everyone's three man band. He's like ninety percent of people's bands. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Grohl can play pretty much anything too, right? Yeah. Seems like it'd be a really good hang too. I, I don't. I maybe throw a wild card in there. Ginger Baker. Oh, so God, John no. Paul Jones Jr., Derek Trucks, and Ginger Baker. It'd be like it'd be kind of like as wild as Cream was, but way better guitar. Well, I'm not saying Clap is a bad guitar player, but Derek Trucks is like the best in the world. So, and then John Paul Jones Jr. is probably the best bassist to ever play. For me, I'd go with uh, probably Jack White on guitar. He's so versatile, and I think he'd be a real fun guitar player. Flea on bass because he's also a trumpet player, so I like that. And uh, go with Cindy Blackman on drums, the drummer for Lenny Kravitz. There's some interesting choices there. Some out of the uh, out of the box choices there. Ones we haven't heard many of before. I like it. That's a wide variety there. Um, so we haven't got very long left. So you're going to be sending us a track along to put at the end of this podcast. If you want to introduce that quickly, and then uh, we'll say goodbyes. Yeah, well, you mentioned it at the top. It's uh, When the Blues Comes to Town. 